So welcome to another episode of Suburban Bourbon. This is season two, episode six. And today we are at Speak of the Devil in beautiful Lorain, Ohio. I'm particularly excited because I'm a Lorraine myself. I grew up here and it is kind of cool, all the uh, revitalization that's going on in downtown um, Lorain. And today at Speak of the Devil, we're gonna meet uh, the owner. We're gonna talk to one of the bartenders and try some drinks. That's right. So. Kurt Hernan, the owner, is going to talk to us and tell us all the great things about Speak of the Devil to not only me, but also Lorraine's favorite son, Joe Vitale, <laughs> coming back home. I feel like I feel like next to LeBron coming home, well, this is the... the like, I, I get a free coaster when I come in. I, I that, feel that, like that's, it that's is. The, uh, so, uh, Another speak, homecoming. <laughs> speak of the Devil is at 201 West 5th Street, right in downtown Lorraine. You could, if you're good enough, you could probably throw a baseball that could maybe roll in the lake from here. Um, I feel like uh, Kurt's good enough. I don't know if you I don't think it would be us. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think it would it's be us. us. Well, let's meet Kurt. Kurt, um, tell us a little bit about uh, Speak of the Devil and what the concept was. What made you think of this? Um, so I had a background in, uh, I started originally as a home brewer, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, when the Conway Brothers opened Great Lakes, I kind of was like, I don't have to make my own beer anymore. There's good beer in town. Uh, so I, I had a real deep uh, passion for the history side of beer and spirits. Uh, so I started delving into spirits, uh, mid, early to mid 90s. Uh, and that led me to classic cocktails. Uh, at the time, it was really hard to get a hold of a lot of the specialty ingredients that you would need. Uh, but the internet started to come online and you started finding places that started selling and I could buy things. Uh, so I would dig in the classic vintage cocktails and start making them for friends and people who come over the house and it kind of led to people asking if uh, we could do this for parties uh, because they loved what they were getting. Uh, it, it really was a revelation to go back to classic recipes with real ingredients and good quality spirits from what you know your standard mixed drink was through the 80s, 90s. Uh, and it just blew people's minds. They were like, holy mackerel, this is a whiskey sour? I'm like, yeah, this is a whiskey sour done the right way, done the, the very old school, classic bartending way. So, um, And that's the thing these days, right? Yeah. A good cocktail meant to be flavorful, right? Yeah. Not, not meant to just get you drunk. Yeah, make the spirits really shine through. Um, and it, it, it should be. It's not complicated. It's not like it was hard work. It's just we got away from quality ingredients. We got away from fresh juices. We got away from good spirits. You know, we just started going with, you know, basic well stuff where people started maximizing profits instead of maximizing quality. Um, so yeah, over time, my wife and I started doing this. We started uh, doing some parties and we started doing some events for nonprofits locally. Um, and we started to build a, a bit of a following. Um, and we wondered if this would work. Uh, at the time I was working as an air traffic controller down in Oberlin and we had some friends who had a, a little dance club on Broadway at the far south end, uh, and they didn't have a lot of business on Friday. So we kind of approached them and said, you have a liquor license, we have an idea, can we do some pop-up events here uh, with cocktails? And they said, sure, you know, let's go ahead, let's give it a, a, give it a whirl, see what happens. So we themed everything, we did like, a, the first night was just sort of a, a vintage classic, and then we did a tiki night, then we did a, 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 a south of the border, we called it, where we did cocktails from south of the equator. You know, then we, we went all the way up to Not Your Mom and Dad's Cocktails, where we sort of modified and updated all those 70s disco drinks that were so bad. We just found ways to tweak them and make them taste good. And What, was the, uh, what were the first cocktails then? When you say classic cocktails, what do you think of? Uh, the first thing that came to me was uh, something called a Ward 8. 
Uh, it was a, a classic Boston cocktail. Uh, it was from Ward 8 in Boston. It was uh, ironically designed for the uh, election party to an elected official who ultimately became a strong prohibitionist. Uh, but the drink lasted. That's called irony, Kurt. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, that's how it all started. My wife and I wanted to, to do some sort of tradition to mark uh, Christmas and the holidays. Sure, sure. So we said, yeah, let's, let's, let's figure a cocktail out. So I actually I, I went online, and I found this Ward 8, and I said, hey, rye whiskey. It was the worst recipe ever. It was, it was not authentic. It was something that was passed down over and over and got worse and worse. And we're drinking this the first night, and I'm going, what the... Who would drink? What is this with cocktails? And it kind of set me on the journey of going, it's got to be better than this. This yeah, is not sure. what somebody... Yeah. Uh, so I finally found an authentic Ward 8 recipe, and we made it, and we were like, holy mackerel. This is really, really, not just good, really good. So what's in the Ward 8? Uh, Ward 8 is a rye whiskey cocktail, a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of grenadine. It's, a, it's basically sort of a whiskey sour modified with a little bit of uh, sweetener, grenadine. Uh, I went from that to just a classic whiskey sour because I was used to the whiskey sour that we probably all were used to. Some well whiskey, a squirt of uh, sweet sour mix and uh, over an ice cube and you just go, oh, yeah, it's drinkable, it's sweet, it's sour. Uh, and then when I found that, the, you know, the classic whiskey sour, uh, just, you know, two parts whiskey, a three-quarter part lemon, three-quarter part sweetener, uh, and, and shaken up well, just that simple. And you go, holy mackerel, this is a whole new ball game. So Kurt, tell me, um, let's go back to the to, to the, the place, this location. Yeah. And I think when we spoke on the phone, you're from Warren, did I get that remember, right? Yeah, so so what interested you in Lorraine? And, and I gotta tell you, I grew up here, and this downtown has gone through a lot of iterations. My dad yeah. actually owned a, a business on this street. My grandfather worked there, used to be an IRS office at a yeah. corner, he worked there. And it kind of hit some hard times. And I see now just driving in restaurants and bars. Yeah. What made you pick this place? Well, when I was working for the FA down in Oberlin and my wife and I were looking for a home, uh, we were looking to buy a home and start a family. And at the time, Lorraine had a bit of that reputation. People said, oh, don't, go, don't even look up there. Don't even look up there. But we drove up to the Lakeview Park area. We see the lake. There's a house that we're looking at that has a double lot that's 950 feet from the beach. Uh, and it's the price was you know the the mid upper five figures. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And it felt a lot like Warren. Yeah. It's a, yeah. an industrial yeah. town, very ethnic, very you know all the ethnicities that that came together to make the city. And we moved here. And we just fell in love. Is the people really? Yeah. I mean, that was the first thing you realize when you get here. Is people are so honest, so straightforward, uh, so welcoming. Uh, so we loved it here. Um, the bar, my, as my wife would always say, this was our love letter to Lorraine. Uh, when we started it five years ago, we were we were called in whispers insane. They, Don't do this downtown. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. You know, we were selling our house to buy the building, to move upstairs, to start this bar downstairs. And, and the word was going around town that this is just the craziest thing we ever heard. Who are these people? Yeah. They're going to lose everything. They're going to be out of here. Yeah. Uh, actually, there was an article in the paper about us that a guy left a comment and said, quote, castles made of sand. I give them three years. Oh, wow. And uh, and actually, last year at our four-year anniversary party, we had a cocktail called "The Castles Made of Sand," uh, because did we. Did you invite him back? Um, I don't know who he is, but I did have a guest here that night who looked at me and goes, "I know exactly who that was, and he does come here." And I'm like, "I don't need to know a name, but I'm glad that he's a guest and he, he likes it here now." So. So I'll, I will say too, 
You had to weather the pandemic yes. during this five years. Yes. So what was it like during that? I mean, uh, we know what it was like for us, but as a, as a new new bar owner. Yeah, we, we, had just, we had just turned two years old uh, going into the spring. Yeah, it would have been 2020. Um, we, were, uh, we, were, we were going gangbusters. Uh, and that, that first week was just scary. It was like, what's, what are we supposed to do? You know, how do we take care of our people? What do we, you know, we were very fortunately we owned the building. So there's no overhead in terms of paying a landlord rent who might be unreasonable. Uh, most of the bars that you saw go down quickly was because the landlord still expected a rent check and sorry and move on. And uh, we were very fortunate for that. We were very fortunate that we had been doing so well those first two years. We did have a nice little reserve that could kind of keep these guys going. Um, but it was scary. I mean, I remember it was about five days into it when you started really realizing that we're not opening back up, guys. And I woke up one morning thinking, we've got all this really nice booze on the back bar. Is this going to become currency? Like, what, what, are they going to shut the liquor stores down? Yeah. So my bartender, Jack, came over and he took all these tables and all these chairs and he stacked them from floor to ceiling in front of our windows. So if somebody was going to break through the window to try to get in, they were going to have to knock over about 150 chairs and tables, and I would easily hear it as, as well as our yeah. security system. Yeah. But it was a deterrent. But we, we didn't know. We started getting concerned about, like, is, what value does this stuff have? And are people going to want, you know, are, are, is this? Because in Pennsylvania, they did shut the liquor stores down for a while, and people were coming over to Ohio. Well, and then trying to keep people. Like, yeah. you know, if you have a good bartender, oh, you good. know, and they have to make a living somehow, right? We, we went into it, my wife and I, the very first week. We, I mean, unfortunately, we prioritize our employees. Who has to come back with us? You know, and who could be expendable if they were? And what can we do to help them? Yeah. So tough, we, those are tough decisions. Very difficult. And we're, we're extremely small. As you know, if you see the space, yeah. we're 18 feet wide. So when, when they gave us the opportunity to reopen with six-foot distancing, we went from 65 seats to 22 seats. So we stayed closed a lot longer than a lot of people because we just didn't know how to do it. You know, how are we going to execute this, this narrow space? Um, so in that meantime, a couple of our employees found other opportunities. We helped them find other opportunities and said, look, I can't guarantee you're going to be here when this is back. I don't even know if this will be back. You know, take an opportunity if you see it. You know, you don't have to remain loyal to us. You know, we appreciate your service. And, and depending on how things go, maybe, you know, we'll get you back someday. Um, that was really difficult. But we did identify the three guys that we absolutely knew we had to keep to reopen. Uh, and we were able to get things going here well enough to keep them with some money in pocket. We had, were on an alley, so we did the, the top cocktails to go drive-throughs. Uh, we'd make some snacks. We'd, we, we were doing really well at that, as, in fact. We were selling, people were coming in buying nine, 12 cocktails with some food. And uh, we would do it every Friday or Saturday or on a special occasion like Christmas time. Um, so that, that kept us afloat. The people were extremely generous too. Our guests were phenomenal. They, the tips were, they knew we were trying to keep bread on these guys' table. We were trying to keep them here so this place could reopen. And, well, and, Jonah, and Joe and I saw that too. It's like we had, you know, just like everyone, you know, Friday night we had a crew of people that we would get on a Zoom call with. And, and it would always, one of the families would go out to a restaurant and pick up the food, drop it off at everyone's house. Yeah social distancing and then we'd have you know cocktails and, and be on a zoom call yeah. and part of it was to keep things alive yeah like we you know we, we were trying to like give back yeah. what we could and so it's really awesome to hear that it, but you also had to be creative 
you know, cocktails to go. You're, you're, you're not built to do that. So it's like no. you had to come up with no, a way yeah, to make that operational. Bars in Cleveland and bought packaging to, uh, to, to be able to package them up and, and get them out. But really, to be honest with you, that, that first stretch of the pandemic solidified for us because we were in the eye of the storm for two years. It's hard to tell like what you mean or what, what, how you're affecting the community at all. That showed completely. I mean, the support we got was so ridiculous and over the top that we just started realizing, man, these people love this bar. Well, talk to us a little bit about that. Tell, tell, you know, what is, what's the draw to speak of the devil? So no, someone who's watching this who doesn't know anything about it, maybe not from the Lorraine area, why would you come here and is it for everybody? Um, I would, initially I would have told you, no, it's not for everyone, but I, uh, our key is, is our absolute attention to hospitality. Our bartenders love to talk. They know the stories. They know the brands. They know we all are talkative. We all, in fact, on our menu, if you look at it, listed on there is a drink. The last drink on there is called The Conversation. It's our best-selling cocktail. We just come out to you and go, we know you don't understand everything that's necessary on this menu. What do you usually drink? What spirit do you like? What, you know, do you like it boozy? Do you like it fruity? Do you like it effervescent? What do you, what do you like? And, and we'll just go, we got you. We'll go back and make you a drink and bring it out. And people really, they love that. They love that sort of personalized, oh man, they, they made a drink just for me. Um, and we've got a really deep knowledge. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing, right? Our, my bartenders are extremely skilled, extremely knowledgeable. So we can have that conversation and they can pluck through their, you know, sort of file cards in their brain going, oh, I know exactly what will make you. And I saw a lot of events too. You have. Oh yeah. Yeah. We uh, we like to look at ourselves as a community center down here. You know, when we opened, there was us and Scorchers, a sports bar about six blocks away, and there was nothing else down yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we do music. We've done trivia. We've done Lorraine trivia. We've comedy. done comedy yeah. nights. Yeah. yeah, we do. You've been. You've done bourbon podcasts. <laughs> we, we're doing bourbon podcasts. We're doing absolutely. Um, so we try to be a little bit of everything for everybody and just, I mean, it's a bar, right? It's a neighborhood bar, ultimately. I mean, people want to call us a speakeasy or a craft cocktail or bourbon or, we're a bar. And we all tell you, we're bartenders. You know, people like to throw around mixologists and all this stuff. We're bartenders. You know, and it's interesting, when we were in, when we were in Louisville, when we went to Justin's House of Bourbon, one of the things that we did, the four, the four, there were four couples, and the four guys all wanted to do pours of bourbons they haven't had before, and that's what we did. But our four wives are like, eh, we don't really love bourbon. Yeah. And you know what? What you just said, the conversation is exactly what happened. Yeah. What do you want to drink? And they brought out, they brought out a bourbon-based drink that you would have right. mistaken for a cocktail you'd get right beachside, and all, all the wives loved it. And that's that's yeah. when you go. That person knows their stuff, and right. it's pretty amazing. So what you're bringing to the table, that's really. That's a special thing that, quite honestly, a lot of places don't ever even think to do. When we opened, I always say the bee's knees is the, the, the cocktail that built this bar. When we opened, I knew the first target I had to do is, is our, our female guests who come in and they're used to a vodka drink or something. They're like, how do I, how do I steer them off of that? Yeah. Well, our bee's knees is a beautiful mix of gin, honey, and lemon. People always give you, oh, no, 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 no. I don't do gin. Like, just please try it. I'll drink it if you don't want it. And we, uh, we get it out to them and they absolutely go bonkers. I'm like, see, you love gin. You just didn't know it. It just wasn't mixed right. And, and that, that extends all the way to bourbons. We've, I mean, we've had people at the way, I actually have guests here tonight that I know for a fact when they came in, they wanted fruity drinks and now they're our biggest bourbon fans yeah. in the entire bar. Um, 
So it's been cool to be a part of that, that growth, that, that evolution of everyone's taste. And you have a menu too, uh, food. Uh, yeah, we do small cocktail snacks here, uh, all done in-house. My wife does uh, Spanish, uh, Italian-style marinated olives. We pickle our own vegetables. We do mini uh, pecan-encrusted cheese balls. We do cut-up smokies from Fligner's because we love those guys. They take care of us all the time. Uh, and we do a, a bourbon maple roasted uh, house uh, peanuts, nut mixture. So yeah, it's just more cocktail snacks, something you can have where you have a cocktail or have a pour of bourbon. And um, you know, we like to say, go to our neighbors and have a full dinner, come here to have the after dinner drink, spend the night with us at the end and, and get one of the best cocktails you're gonna get anywhere, so. And the other thing that we were talking earlier about the amazing artwork. So t tell us about that. So all, all the photographs in here are, are mine. I, I, did, I do photography as a, as a hobby and a semi-profession. Um, when we were building the bar, we knew with the size of the 13-foot ceilings, the size of the bar, narrow wall space that we were going to need to sort of mute sound a little bit. So we printed out photos of mine on huge canvas cloth and built frames that we put sound, uh, sound baffling foam in. So all of these things are actually out here keeping the sound from bouncing off the walls. Uh, but they also turn into really beautiful big pieces that kind of fill the space out. So, uh, But everything in here was done uh, by my wife and I. Like everything, every inch of painting, every light was strung by us. This is truly a family business. Uh, my son is our lead server. He's still here. He graduated from OU doing what you guys do. He's a videographer. but. Uh, uh, he does that on the side and, and loves working here and uh, they all actually, uh, our other bartender was his roommate in college, came to Lorraine, same thing, he grew up in Columbus, came to Lorraine, fell in love with Lorraine, actually went away during COVID and then came back because he told me it's his favorite place he's ever lived. He wanted to learn bartending, before that he was just a server, so we trained him up bartending, he's a fantastic bartender now and uh, super, super cool, but yeah, I, I mean, mainly I just, I think we, we try to be welcoming and people really want to hang out at a place that's welcoming and kind of fun and lively. And um, my wife and I do live upstairs in the building. So my wife will always say, I tell people in one of two ways, hey, you're in my living room <laughs> or hey, you're in my living room. So you literally are in our living room. So we want to make you feel like you're just hanging out with us. So, so Kurt, today uh, we're, we're pretty excited. We're going to try some and if, if, if you, when you visit Speak of the Devil, you're going to see an amazing cocktail list. And as Kurt talked about, as well as a really great bourbon selection, whiskey selection, spirit selection, really. What, um, what are some of the drinks we're going to try tonight? Uh, today we're going to get warm you guys up since it got a little cold out tonight. Uh, the Ginger Man is a, an overproof uh, bourbon, a Wild Turkey 101 cocktail that I literally invented uh, eight weeks after we had opened. If anyone recalls, in 2018, uh, in February, we got the, uh, what did they call it, the, uh, the cold snap. We went down to minus three, yeah. but they had some crazy term for it. And I was like, well, if it's going to be minus four degrees outside today, I got to get something, something that's going to warm you up. Yeah. And uh, so I said, I'm going to overproof whiskey, uh, ginger, uh, lemon, Angostura bitters. It's going to be something that's going to warm you up. It's going to, so we're going to do the ginger man for, for you guys. And then a, a, a classic, uh, this bar was built with a lot of influence from a bar called Milk and Honey in New York City. Uh, Sasha Petrosky was an absolute uh, adherent to the three ingredient cocktail, simple, classic, vintage cocktails done to, the, to excellence. Uh, so they, they created a drink called the Gold Rush. So it's, a, it's another version of a, a, a whiskey sour that's using honey instead of simple syrup to sweeten it. So again, that warming sort of fall, winter, 
that honey with a nice bourbon. Uh, we do that with four roses. That's our well bourbon. Um, so you'll be drinking those. And then uh, a couple fours of, uh, of nice whiskey from the top shelf. Uh, they, I'll let you guys pick if you saw something you liked up there. By the way, when you tell me four roses as your well bourbon, yeah, you I got to admit, right you're winning me over. <laughs> you're win you won me over on the way in. That, that's outstanding. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been interesting. We're probably well, we are the we are the biggest uh, account of Old Overholt in the country. We average 3.5 bottles of Old, old Overholt every single shift. Um, I grew up with it, so I'm from far eastern Ohio, Youngstown area. All my family is from Western PA. It was originally a Pennsylvania. Uh, Monongahela rye. So I knew when I opened the bar that that was going to be my staple well rye. That's going to be a part of our Manhattan and our old fashioned. Have you tried Wiggle? I absolutely have tried Wiggle. Love Wiggle. Love Wiggle. Yeah. Um, and when we started, it was Old Overholt, 80 proof, and a couple of really become, they've become dear friends of ours. Uh, our brand ambassadors now down at Beam for, for uh, Overholt, Brad Lawrence and Timmy Heisler, and they've taken the brand so far uh, it's, it's so near and dear to our heart they came out with the 86 proof red cap old overhaul about four years ago 100 proof bottled in bond they did a 114 proof overhaul uh, and then my my heart was the 11 year rye that they found and convinced jim beam to package there was only a handful of barrels of it they packaged it and sold it only in ohio and pennsylvania if you see the 11 year rye grab it because you it can't up. find it it's nowhere yeah, left yeah. i've I've got two bottles hidden. For me personally, we've got about three ounces left on the back bar. We went through about eight of those bottles, but you'll never see it again. They just don't have the juice to ever do it again. So that was near and dear to our heart. And Kurt, when we were talking earlier, you brought up nothing gets, you don't get dust on your bottles. No, we, uh, we have a strict, there are no trophies policy here. So everything's priced to sell. We're, we're, we try to be super fair with everyone because we want to be very sort of democratic and everyone can taste it. Um, even when we get the very hard to get bottles, uh, we like to put it up there at the best price point we can. Um, even, even if it means that we've got Mictus 20, we have to do it at $100 an ounce. That's about 150 less than I see in, in downtown or bigger cities. Um, it's a very rare, hard to get, very, very hard to get bottle. Uh, no, we're well aware. So we will be on speed dial, right? Next time you get that. Next time. <laughs> it, it went pretty quickly. I know. Um, and the nice thing about that was... That's a fantastic uh, it was a Wednesday night after we'd gone through most of the bottle. We had maybe two ounces left, and there were some folks who were industry folks in town who work at the sports bars or work at the restaurants as servers. I go, I got two ounces left, and these guys, one, they do jobs where it's, it's hard to afford $100 an ounce. So we, we just donated the last two ounces to those guys to let them be able to go back to their job and go, I tasted Mictor's 20, and everyone would, no, you didn't wear. I got it at Speak of the Devil. Like, I just... The, the ability to do that with this bar, that's one of the, the great joys of having this bar. Is absolutely. To be able to share things like Because you enjoy people. it too. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's absolute truth in hospitality. The secret of hospitality is that it's extremely addicting to, when you do it well. It's, it feels amazing to make people feel good. So, uh, and that's our goal here, just to make everyone feel good. So again, 201 West 5th Street here in downtown Lorraine, right off of Broadway. Broadway's the main artery. Uh, comes right off of Route 2, so you can bring come right down to downtown. I live uh, um, on the western suburbs of Cleveland. It took us about a half hour to get here, yep. um, you know, right off the lake. But um, definitely come and visit Speak of the Devil. We're very excited to try some drinks tonight. I know. So thank you very much, Kurt. Absolutely, we appreciate guys. it. Absolutely, guys. Uh, enjoy the drinks. Yes, right. thank you. Thank you.
So here to speak of the devil again at 201 West 5th Street in Lorraine and had a great conversation with Kurt, the owner. That's right. And now we're going to do the fun part. Right. That is actually tasting some of their amazing cocktails. I know. We have the lead bartender, Jack Maple, here to uh, walk us through four drinks. And uh, obviously, we're pretty excited. So uh, why don't we, we're going to start off, I believe, with the old-fashioned. So why don't we go ahead and put it on display here. And you can uh, tell us, how did you make this? So to start, we use Old Overholt, which, if you're not familiar, is really one of the oldest rise labels that's around. Uh, but we do a classic old-fashioned with a sugar cube. And then we take a little bit of uh, Angostura bitters and soak our sugar cube, throw orange peel in, a little bit of water, and muddle it into a nice syrup. And from there, muddling it into a nice syrup, we take some of our old Overholt, three ounces usually is what we put in there, and top it off, which is kind of more of an old-school pour. And then we'll stir it until it's diluted a little bit and then send it off to the customer and it's ready to go. Uh, but part of the reason why we use old Overholt rye is uh, because it's a Monongahela style rye, uh, it's got a, a rich history starting in 1810. We love it. Um, and it's a brand that's actually started to come back in recent years. Uh, and we like to think that we're a part of the reason why. So uh, that's what we use. And um, you guys got to try it now. It's really good. And what I love too is when we talked to Kurt, what he brought up is exactly what Jack said, which is very old school you know, do it the way it was meant to be done. So, yeah. cheers. As you, can, as you can see, Joe's talking. I just went right to the gym. I know, exactly. That's our whole deal, you know. We want it to be classic and simple, you know. It doesn't need to have bells and whistles for it to be good. We've That's said this every well time. Done. yep. This is, a, again, old fashions are not all made the same. And that is has got all the elements right there. I think part of it is that we care a lot about it. Honestly, it's one of our favorite drinks here. And, I mean, if you talk to... You know, me, you know, we have, you know, anywhere from 20, 30 or more, you know, whether it's an old classic, old fashioned, or even variations on the classic uh, without, you know, totally disrespecting what that drink is, you know, it's something that we can do and that we're confident about, you know, and that's something that I really love. Uh, there's really only two drinks that people, when they ask me what my favorite drink is, and uh, one of them is an old fashioned, and then the other one is kind of a super old school drink that's the Stone Fence, which is literally just some sort of dark spirit and fresh pressed apple juice whether it's apple cider whatever you're into so what spirit do you normally put in the uh, stone fence i'm a rye whiskey nerd i mean along with the old overholt i'm a rye whiskey nerd anything rye i'm, I'm into whether it's rittenhouse old overholt uh, i'm a huge fan of old forester rye uh but uh i mean i'm just a big big into rye whiskey i don't know what it is but it's something that something that we all really love here yeah Oh, I do too. I mean, it's and especially with a drink like that, that's a great fall drink, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing, too, is, is we found ways to make even old fashions very summery and bright and forward, too. So there's there's so many different things you can do with it. Make it more citrusy. Oh, yeah. And, but also kind of still staying in that realm of what it is, right? We've said it a lot of times, uh, Jack, on, on numerous uh, shows we've done that, you know, the key to a great bar experience is finding a great bartender. You know, and, and, and the bartenders who don't know what they're doing will just try to make a drink strong. Yes. And we love cocktails. It's, you know, it's kind of one of the misnomers about our show. I think people think we're going to, you know, even with, we were talking to Kurt when I was, met him on the phone, talking about all the bourbons he has. I'm like, that's great. We like that. But we also want to talk about the cocktails. Of course. You know? Of course. And so this is awesome. This is an awesome drink. And I also think that when you talk about craft cocktails, part of it is there's time invested, right? I mean, it takes a little bit more time to make this old fashioned. 
but I will be first to tell you it is well worth it. I mean, that's you put a lot of time and effort into it, and it's a, a well-balanced cocktail. That's one of those things that's never talked about. You know, when you go to a cocktail bar, when it takes more time, they're not talking about you know that the cocktail not only has fresh ingredients, but a lot of times it's a little bit boozier when you go to a cocktail bar. Uh, they, we kind of understand, you know, that a well-made cocktail isn't something that you're going to chug down like a highball or, you know, like a beer and a shot. So it's something that we expect you to, or we, we hope that you'll enjoy and that will take a little bit longer to enjoy because it maybe has a little bit more extra alcohol and stuff in it. And that way you, you don't have to worry about constantly flagging somebody down, constantly finding somebody. And again, we're, we're all about that just like good drink, you know. We want something that maybe you'd make for yourself at home, you know. That drink was awesome, that old-fashioned. We're gonna try something new now. Jack, tell us what you're gonna be drinking, and we're drinking it with, believe it or not, their well bourbon, which is Four Roses, so you know you walked into a great place. That's right. Yeah, this is their house well, Four Roses. It's kind of their basic label, but the drink that you have is actually called a Gold Rush. Uh, the Gold Rush is a very simple, modern classic. It's actually probably one of my favorite modern classics from that genre of cocktails. Uh, but again, it's just a whiskey sour. So it's got four roses, lemon juice, and then it's got some honey syrup. And it's not meant to be very difficult or hard to make. Uh, it was made famous at a cocktail bar called Milk and Honey in New York City in the Lower East Side Manhattan. And uh, a lot of the bartenders, a lot of the uh, uh, you know people that cut their teeth working at this bar have made a lot of modern classics, but this has been my favorite. And it's just easy drinking, you know. You can kind of put any any bourbon in there that you really like, and it'll kind of shine, you know. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks. Cheers. Oh, I could drink these all night. I know, exactly. <laughs> How dare this you, is, Jack? This is real, so this delicious. would be a great summer drink too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can see where this is like it's refreshing. I even tell people with the old fashioned, you know, it's like you can you can kind of interchange things and do you know old fashions with a little bit of honey instead of the sugar cubes sometimes, and you know, just like this was kind of a switch out that was very simple. You don't have to do big crazy things for it to be good and to be complex, you know. It's like a bourbon lemonade. Oh yeah, it's exactly. so good, right? And that doesn't even do it justice, by the way, but. Wow, is that good. And the greatest part is, I guarantee you when we're done with this, I guarantee you Katie and Jody like that drink. Yes, our wives. They don't like bourbon. They, they don't like bourbon. Course. We're not going to tell them, just for the record, between the three of us, no one tells them, and we'll see if they like it. This I'm is guarantee really, it. What was the drink we had at the Everwild Spirits, and they used that chickpea? It reminds me this of that. There was a drink we had that usually has the that egg. That was suburban bourbon trivia that I just yeah. failed on. <laughs> there was a, it had the egg. It's like a Boston sour. Yes, and it had the egg uh, whip on the top. Yeah. But they didn't use egg. They, they used aquafaba. Yes! Because yeah. we don't like the smell of the egg. And I don't, yeah. it was awesome. The same consistency, no smell, delicious. Yeah, it's kind of a big thing in cocktails right now is using aquafaba instead of, uh, Egg whites. Uh, egg whites are classic, and I'll be honest with you, I'm a diehard about the eggs. It's just who I am. But there are a lot of cocktail bars, you know, even out towards uh, Cleveland area that we're very close with and that, you know, we're big fans of that use a lot of that. You know, I could tell you that LVM in Lakewood's definitely use Aquafaba or Cloak and Dagger, Spotted Owl, a couple of those okay. different places. They all use that. And, you know, 
puts this back to the You can keep it. But you, but you're yeah. a, it sounds like you're a traditionalist oh, when yeah. it comes to the drinks, which is it comes through with the cocktails. Another, another thing to bring up, yeah. I, I'm definitely a traditionalist and definitely classic about stuff. I like I think simple is better. Simple is sometimes simple does more for me than I think, you know, uh, adding a bunch of stuff does, but uh, there's definitely a time and a place for all of it, you know? So on Suburban Bourbon, as we were just saying, we never really drink our entire drinks because we wouldn't be able to drive home. Unfortunately, I just drink my whole thing. It tells you how freaking good this is. I can't catch up. I know, I know. All right, so our next cocktail looks fantastic. And Jack, I, I can't wait to hear about this. The Ginger Man, T tell us how that's made. This is like a quintessential, you know, speak of the devil cocktail. This is a cocktail that's been on, you know, multiple menus of ours. We've done so many different menus. This is one that holds true. It's kind of our answer to the whiskey ginger. Uh, so it's in the, in the name, you know, whiskey ginger, it's kind of this really nice whiskey sour drink that has wild turkey, it has some lemon juice, it has some of our cinnamon demerara syrup, and then it's got uh, Domaine de Canton, which is a ginger liqueur, and then it's got some mango syrup bitters. So it's got a few different things going on in there, but essentially it's going to be kind of this spiced whiskey sour that's really well balanced, and you're going to kind of get all parts. You know, you're going to get the wild turkey, the cinnamon, the citrus, uh, and the ginger is kind of very light, but uh, it's, it's a really nice cocktail. And, it's and, and, and what form is the ginger? Uh, the, the ginger is actually in the form of a liqueur, okay. uh, so it's not going to be super apparent. Actually, this cocktail, it's a little bit more cinnamon forward, and it helps round out the, the bourbon and uh, everything else going on in it. Uh, but this has been literally, a, it's been, again, a tried and true cocktail. It's been a drink that we've done here. One of your more popular ones, yeah. Jack? Very popular. I mean, this is a drink that when it's not on the menu, people can still order it always. We'll be able to make it. Again, it could be summertime. It could be wintertime. It could be any time of the year, and we're going to have people coming in ordering a ginger man because they know what to expect from it, and they, that's the drink that they want. And there's a lot of drinks kind of like that on the menu, so it's, it's, it's kind of you know cool that it's a part of those. Cheers. Cheers. You said so, cinnamon. Yeah. And you definitely taste it. Yeah. The not, other, not, not an overpowering way, but just it's it's there. Yeah. The other part too is wild turkey. I mean, this is a little higher proof, yeah. but you don't it doesn't. It. You don't taste no. it. And that's the whole point it's, too, you, know? it, you you do you did a great job of of creating a, a cocktail that's got flavor, a little bit of spice to it, but it's not overpowering. That's what we're trying to do, and use good products too. I mean, I mean, anybody that's into bourbon or you know nerdy about it, uh, you, you kind of know wild turkey. You know the Russells, and that's a huge part of bourbon you know that family is is huge and if you don't if, if, if you've not ever read up on them I always recommend people to read up on them and the history of wild turkey just because it's a yeah it's it's, in, it's incredible and you know anything they put out is incredible so we always kind of pay a little bit of respect to wild turkey and what it is and who those guys are in the industry you know Jack how long have you been doing this you I think you said off off camera uh, I've been actually bartending since I was about 20 but I've been working in bars and restaurants since I was about 14 so at this point, I'd say it's about four, almost 12 to 14 years of just working in restaurants and bars and doing different stuff, uh, bartending about eight years. And uh, 
It's crazy because even just talking about that's kind of funny. When I first started bartending, you know, you're never really considered there. Like, oh, you're young and you don't know anything. And even now, it's kind of funny because I don't even necessarily consider myself someone that like is you know super like just a, in a in a big place to know stuff. Like I I'm knowledgeable, I'm nerdy about it, but I'm always learning, and that's kind of our whole deal, you know. Well, you're an artist, really, right? I mean, you know your stuff, and and uh, I mean, I bartended in college. And, and let me let me tell, tell you. Wait, wait, wait. Tell us, Joe, what the the ingredient was that you made the story, every. Jo- I know the story. So, so tell us, tell everyone. I wanted there. to bartend, yeah. and my uh, and my friend who gave me a job said, "Look, they're all drunk. They're not going to know the difference. Just make everything red. <laughs> yeah. Call it different names. Pour some grenadine in. Grenadine in you're good." And um, I, I say that in a funny way, obviously, as a joke, because good bartenders like yourself know what they're doing, you have to be knowledgeable, and it's fun, right? I yes. think you said yes. you enjoy talking to people, you enjoy the interaction. You can sense this vibe here at Speak, Speak of the Devil. I mean, I really want to make that point. It's, it feels like a cheers kind of environment in terms of you walk in, regulars, but you know, we have a party that came with us at the front. Everyone's welcome, having exactly. a good time. It's a very good vibe. Very good vibe. It's a, it's a, and people it's a, like yourself add to that. It's a good vibe. It's upbeat. And, and I think the other part, too, is when you make a cocktail like that, and I know Kurt said this, too, when you make something and you make someone happy, there's like that, that satisfaction that you have. And these cocktails are fa- yeah. fantastic. You know what you're doing, bottom line. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, we, we really we enjoy doing it, and we always feel like it can go further, you know? Everything that we're into... Uh, the cocktails, the bourbon, the spirit, all of the spirits, you know, it's always about enjoying yourself. You know, as much as we take ourselves seriously doing cocktails and, you know, learning more and, you know, doing these historic classic drinks and stuff, we're also not going to take ourselves too seriously, you know, because at, at a bar you want to be able to enjoy yourself and that's truly what we're about is enjoying yourself, you know. I mean, we'll never, we'll never uh, compromise that or, you know, we'll never fight that because the whole point of being a good bar is a place where people are going to come and enjoy, smile, laugh, and we always just hope that our drinks are a part of that. You know what I mean? We, we just want to aid in your aid in your enjoyment and hope, hopefully you have a great time hanging with us, you know, as much as we do with you guys. Well, I see Jack. Exactly. <laughs> Line up. Line up and get it. This is fantastic. Cheers. All right, so we're going to go ahead and finish up tonight with one more drink. So we're going to try a pour of Yellowstone bourbon. So, Jack, tell us a little bit about it. Oh, yeah. So uh, Yellowstone is actually a uh, brand that was brought back from the dead. Uh, It was uh, uh, from Prohibition, somewhere time around there, kind of messed it up, and uh, they had to close down. But uh, Stephen Beam from the Beam family and Limestone Distillery actually brought back the label and are distilling it again. Um, right here we have their Yellowstone Limited, uh, which is kind of a little bit harder to come by. Uh, but it's uh, this one specifically, their 2022 version, is finished in Marsala Superior casks. Um, I believe it's a blend of anywhere from seven-year bourbon, 15-year bourbon, and 16-year bourbon, something along those lines, uh, from what I've read. Uh, but it's a, a great pour and uh, something that you know we highly recommend here. 
Jack, when, uh, Kevin Costner comes in, actor Kevin Costner comes in, does he drink Yellowstone? Um, he should. Uh, you think he would? Because <laughs> wait, Jason Bateman drinks Ozark that, bourbon. That, well, that so, would be logical, right? It would make sense. No, I've seen this a lot. I did not know. After talking to Jack, I did not know this is a Beam product. Yeah. Or connected the Beam. Connected in any yeah. way. Yeah. 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 Minor case in the Beam family. Uh, All right, hold on a second here. Cheers, here we guys. go. Cheers. Yeah, it's something I I recommend anybody look into that. The history is nuts oh. with Jim Beam and their whole entire family, James B. Beam. Um, as he starts to kind of follow down the lengths of it, you see just how uh, inter intertwined they are in the bourbon uh, industry uh, and just how long that they've been a part of it, you know? And this is just another facet of that. And this is another one. This it's has it, some heat. It's got some heat going in, but, but it not, definitely is smooth going down. It doesn't reminds, burn you it reminds me, well, we were talking earlier about the foolproof. Well, they're foolproof. You know how you hit yep. it hits you, and then you're like, okay, I like this. Yeah, no, very this is, similar. It's got some spice to it, but definitely a solid bourbon. That's one of the fantastic things too about some of these, uh, you know, fancier bourbons, I guess you'd say, or the higher proof bourbons that some people are looking for is. Uh, they really can have that kind of balance of, you know, flavor and burn, kind of what you want from American uh, bourbon, right? Well, you exactly. know what's great about bourbon, too, and, and I was talking to somebody the other day who, you know, eventually bourbon will probably hit a hit a crash, right? Because, they're, they're, you know, so much is being produced now. So it really, and, and you and I have preached this, it's not really about buying the most expensive bourbon. Nope. We've, we both have had, we have Pappy, we've tried Pappy Van Winkle as an example. And it's, it's fantastic. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, uh, Bart, uh, uh, Blanton's, whatever. But find something you enjoy. Like you are just talking about the old overhaul. Oh, yeah. You know, or uh, what was the other, early times. Early it's times another one, right? It does, right? It does. It's just like wine. You know, if you can find a twenty-dollar bottle of wine and you enjoy it, enjoy it. Well, right? I'll be honest with you. I always go like I love the Buffalo Trace family. Everything from, you know, Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, Blanton's, Old Rip, Pappy, love them all. But I will say this: dollar for dollar, I think Eagle Rare might be the best because it's it's for for thirty plus dollars. It's hard to find a bottle that is it has I'm a, that I'm a kinda, bean guy. I love I love the bean products. I love Nobby. But I love yeah. I still love Blanton's. Don't forget. I do too. I'm not forgetting you, Blanton's. You guys will send me down a rabbit hole with this conversation <laughs> right here. I can't even tell you. You know, again with which is nothing but bourbon. Exactly right. <laughs> well, with with working in uh, you know the bar and being able to try a lot of good stuff. Yeah. You know, just as much good stuff as we're able to try. There's a lot of really easy bottles to get that people kind of look past, and that's kind of the problem. You know, there's and just to name a couple off the you know top of my head. You know, early times, the Sazerac label is incredible. Yes, Bottle yes, and Bond. Yes. There's uh, JTS Brown, Old Overholt is fantastic, Old Forester. Um, there's so many more uh, old school labels that are around Benchmark, Ancient Age. Yep. Uh, these are all brands that I honestly are part of the reason why I love bourbon and think it's so cool is because the history of it's still here. Uh, these are whiskeys that if you kind of are into it, you'll hear about or you'll know about. But if you're really not too into it, you might just grab a uh, a Woodford or something, but these are bottles that, again, have so much history. Whether your grandfather drank them, whether you know your uncle drank that, or you know, there's some sort of tie usually to uh, right. people, and uh, they're also usually a good price still, and it's quality bourbon still, which is kind of the whole, the whole deal, right? But the reality is, like ancient age, when we went to Justin's House of Bourbon, yep. that was one of the four bourbons that they that we had. Quite honestly, because it's we don't you don't see it everywhere. But it is accessible and it's a really good bourbon. 
And well, I think that... Like, and you, you and I have talked about it, though. There's two different kinds of bourbon people, and we know some of these, who buy bourbon as a commodity. Oh, yes. And they're going to trade it, and they're going to go online. I think I can speak for you, too. We buy... If we're in Indiana, we're going to buy some Indiana bourbon. Oh, yeah. Texas, Texas bourbon. Yep. We're going to bring it back. It's unique. We have the same... Uh, as you talked about here, uh, the same sort of policy. If it's yeah. on our shelf, there's no no it. dust on our bottles. Right, that's the way to do it, man. And, and you know, and try something unique, and you might find a, a diamond in the rough. Yep. So, Jack, what's your everyday drinking bourbon? Oh, that's a tough question, just because again we have so much at our disposal. But if I had to choose, you know, one or two bourbons, it would probably be a rye whiskey, and it'd be right between Old Overholt and Old Forester. Uh, there are two brands with incredible history. Uh, I'm a huge history nerd about all these brands, and uh, these are two that I, I really, really enjoy. And uh, Old Overholt, because they're starting to kind of ramp up again and put more money into the brand, and uh, it's getting more recognition than it's ever gotten, which is pretty huge to me, uh, being a bartender and using it a lot. But Old Forester also, because of its history, being nerdy into bourbon, uh, it was uh, a couple, uh, it was Chris Morris and Jackie uh, uh, Zykin's uh, kind of brainchild at uh, Round Foreman. He's the master distiller and she was a master taster at one point in time for them. And they uh, actually used a uh, recipe from a brand that they purchased right after Prohibition called Normandy Rye. And again, it's it's something that I truly love, and I think it's cool that they even you know reached back in the time to to grab a recipe for the rye that they make, and uh, you can't go wrong with either one, even whether it's the bourbon, the rye, or anything Old Forester makes, or anything from Old Overhaul, it's, it's going to be a quality product. So, I can't thank you enough, Jack. This has been fantastic. We've had some outstanding cocktails. We're finishing it with Yellowstone bourbon. So thank you so much for showing us what Speak of the Devil really has to offer, which is not just great craft cocktails, not just an extensive bourbon collection, but really a place where you can go, get what you want, and really have a vibe, like we said, like Cheers, where, where everyone's welcome, and it's really a family atmosphere with, uh, with outstanding spirits. 201 West 5th Street, Speak of the Devil, downtown Lorain, Ohio. Come down, enjoy it, enjoy the atmosphere. There are a lot of other things going on in downtown Lorraine. If you haven't been down here in a while, check it out. It's worth the, worth the, uh, the trip. Great atmosphere, and you're going to bump into Jack, who knows what he is talking about when he Absolutely. comes to Cheers, Jack. We appreciate it.